Welcome, and Merry Christmas to everyone who's watching or listening to this service on this, on this wonderful night. We are so blessed to be able to come together, even if it is virtually, during this special time of the year. I say it's special, but truth be told, preparing for this Christmas Eve service has been one of the hardest times I've felt during this entire pandemic. I mean, we were forced to adjust the same way during Holy Week and Easter, and we've been put through so many changes each and every week. But this is Christmas. When you think about it, no other time of the year carries with it not just the importance for the church, but also carries such resonance in our culture, in our lives, our histories, our memories. You know, for me, for all my life, Christmas has been a happy memory. Even though I've experienced pain during the season, my family lost both our parents around Christmas time. But in my mind, I'm able to skip over that darkness and remember the joy, the anticipation, the Christmas lights, the foods, the gatherings, all the things that made and make Christmas so bright. But this year is different. It feels like the darkness threatens to overwhelm. The church tonight is not filled with excited people dressed up, full of smiles and ready to sing out the familiar Christmas carols. No, instead the church is empty made dark by the long nights that are a part of late December. Conway homes are decorated with Christmas lights and characters, but they feel to me anyway a little more empty than usual. They seem to try to elicit familiar feelings of joy and wonder, but in a pandemic, ring a bit hollow. We began tonight's service with the transition from darkness into light. And under normal circumstances, it would be a glorious movement filled with anticipation and participation and music. Instead, it felt a little bit like our darkness lingers on, even in the light. It's just right over the horizon, just at the edge of our view. This year, more than any year I can remember, I found myself searching for the true meaning of Christmas. See, I couldn't hide in the parties and gifts and lights and sounds and smells of Christmas's past. I couldn't ride the wave of cultural goodwill and commerce that gave me some comfort in previous years. I asked myself, where was the light to light the darkness? Hearing the gospel reading from Luke triggered a wonderful Christmas memory for me and I imagine for many of you. It's from a Charlie Brown Christmas and it's Linus's monologue. It's taken directly from tonight's gospel where he explains to Charlie Brown what Christmas is all about, sort of a mini-sermon in itself. He says, Now there were in the, in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill towards men. After he delivers that, Linus walks back to Charlie Brown and says emphatically, That Charlie Brown is what Christmas is all about. 
bam, it hit me just like it hit Charlie Brown. That is what Christmas is about. Maybe this year, with its relative absence of distraction, is the year we get to see the meaning of Christmas again for the first time. When I was in fifth grade, I led a group of kids in what's best described as an adaptation of a Charlie Brown Christmas. There was no script. The dialogue was all ad-lib and kind of on the spot. It followed the general outline of the story, with the tree and all that. Linus did deliver the monologue word for word, though. Now, not content to only perform for our homeroom, we walked around the school uninvited and offered to perform for other classes and grades. I think we must have gone through the play at least 10 times. And teachers, unable to control their Christmas-hungry classes and seeking a diversion, any kind of diversion, were generally eager to let us perform. At least 10 times then, I must have heard our Linus. See, I was Charlie Brown. I heard Linus recite those familiar words from Luke 2. Then today, some 50 years later, those same words bring to light to our collective darkness. That, Charlie Brown, is what Christmas is all about. You see, the miracle of the incarnation that we celebrate tonight is a baby, wrapped in rags, in a manger, visited by foul-smelling shepherds just in from the fields. The miracle of the incarnation is a scandal. Almighty God, man, is a baby. Made man is a baby. He's completely dependent on Mary and Joseph for his life. And in his first letter to the Corinthians, Paul emphasizes this incongruity, this scandal. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, things that are not, to reduce to nothing, things that are. See, it's this image of Jesus at Christmas that I find so compelling about our Christian narrative. God, almighty God, comes in weakness and humility. God speaks to the marginalized, the outsider. See, it's always tempting to make Jesus into an emperor or a president or something very strong, and he is, but here is Jesus at his most vulnerable. It's a reminder that God is doing the work, not humans. It's not uncommon to hear Christmas described as Jesus' birthday celebration, and it is that, but it's oh so much more. Christmas is a time for us to actively remember all that God has accomplished and is accomplishing. See, we saw it first in the creation, the original miracle of incarnation, then in the lifting up of Israel, then in the prophets, then in Jesus. Jesus is the beginning of the singing of a new song like we heard in tonight's song. Incarnation doesn't stop there, though. In his blog post this past Monday, Father Richard Rohr talked about what he calls the trajectory of incarnation. He claims the incarnation that what he describes as the joining of the spirit nature of reality, that is the spiritual, the immaterial, the formless, and the material nature of reality, stuff we see, the physical, stuff we can touch. He claims in the incarnation they are one. They have always been one, ever since the creation. And it is this never-ending availability of incarnation that brings us to God in literally everything. Think about it. Everything we touch, see, hear, and say is and has always been a manifestation of the incarnation, of God becoming reality. We are literally walking on sacred ground where God is always available for us. God is waiting for us. 
In today's gospel reading, the angels appear as a heavenly host, singing glory to God in the highest heaven. And I have to admit, that would be a pretty cool way of seeing the divine break into our daily lives, even if we were sleep-deprived shepherds in a field. But God's always breaking in, or trying to anyway. This year, more than most, we can be reminded of God's constant, unbroken availability. That is the light in the darkness, the promise of hope. Incarnation is an ongoing activity. Spirit is always invading the material and making it holy. Tonight we celebrate that event when the universe began singing a new song, when God became man in the form of a baby, a baby Jesus, lying in a manger. And that, Charlie Brown, is what Christmas is all about. Amen.